0: Ye come seeking amusing film-related banter and salty old pirates, eh? Sure, you came to the proper place, but keep a weather eye open, mates, and hold on tight as Alan, Calvin, and Saul of Diminishing Returns review and discuss the pirates of the Caribbean film series and pitch their own ideas for sequels to dem movies. Before it be too late to alter your course, mates, there be plunder and spoilers ahead for the whole Pirates of the Caribbean series, as well as the ride. Enjoy! Yarg, me arties, welcome to <laughs> Diminishing Returns, arg. This be, this be Calvin here today on the show, and with me are uh, scurvy bilge rat Alan. <laughs> and first mate Saul, that's not funny, I can't think of anything else funny. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: you're right. <laughs> so yeah. Like, he had- hey, hey, why why do uh why 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 couldn't the pirate get into the uh the cinema?
2: <laughs> oh I know this, no no. Because they were charging too much. Is that it? No, because the,
1: the oh. movie the movie was rated R.
2: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funnier than what I thought. <laughs> so yeah. yes, today o- only works in... <laughs> if you're
1: American. <laughs>
2: <laughs> today, in anticipation of Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, or in other territories, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean Salazar's Revenge, we're gonna be looking at the first four Pirates of the Caribbean films and discussing um them and how we feel about them and the ride on which it was based, presumably. So, uh, shall this is the first time we have had we've looked at a film based on a ride. Have either of you been on Pirates of the Caribbean? I took it upon myself to, in my painstaking research (laughs) for this (laughs) podcast, to go to Disneyland last week and uh, go on the ride, but it was being renovated, so I couldn't
1: go on it. Did you? Did you ever experience the ride pre? Johnny Depp.
2: Oh, yes, yes. Um, a, a few times, yeah.
1: Okay, so take us through it from the beginning, because I've never been on it.
2: So it's a nice little boat ride. You get in a little boat, and you go along the water, and then there's a pirate man saying, argh, me and all this kind of stuff. And then you go down a little drop, you don't get terribly wet, and then um, you just go through scenes from pirate ransacked villages in the Caribbean. So it's all animatronics. It's basically what... Um, Uh, Michael Crichton... Michael Crichton basically wrote Westworld based on the animatronics of um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, it's all all just, you know, they're moving around and they're saying things and, you know, someone's chasing a woman around a well and a mare's being pulled out of the well and spraying water out of his mouth. That sort of
1: thing. That's pretty much the ride in a nutshell. Is it like a log flume ride, or is it all very slow? No, no, it's very
2: slow. It's basically just going around and seeing these different scenes, and there's music, and uh, there are bits in the film that directly reference bits from the ride. Like There is a bit where there's a load of men locked up in a jail, and they're trying to tempt a dog with uh, some keys near them with a bone. Well, I I mean,
3: the idea of making a movie based on... A ride is bizarre to me. Um, apart from anything else, I thought all the rides at Disney World were based on films. So what's what is this thing? Where did they get Pirates of the Caribbean from?
1: No, there's a there's a few. I think it's more. I don't think they make any rides that aren't based on properties anymore. But they they certainly used to because uh, if you remember Eddie Murphy's vehicle, The Haunted Mansion yes. <laughs> as well, it's another Disney film based on a ride. Yes. Um, they were basically,
2: yeah. I mean, they weren't based on anything because they were sort of there from the start of Disneyland. So it, they were more sort of, I mean, this is when the, halls yeah. of, the Hall of Presidents was a major attraction there. And um, yeah. all the sort of uh, film-specific rides came afterwards.
1: When did Disneyland open?
2: Uh, in california it was in the 50s and in florida i think it was the 70s i've only ever been on the florida one i can't speak for the california one but yeah the film is the film is basically harking back to i can't think of any other pirate modern pirate movies but they were quite a thing in like the 40s and 50s weren't they
3: it's i mean it's true though i mean the pirates were it was a dead genre it was you know they'd done uh, it was cutthroat island that seemed to be the nail in the coffin um, oh, but, the Gina
2: Davies film. Yeah. yeah,
3: but it had been kind of stumbling for a long time. It was, it was old hat, wasn't it? it was, and I think yeah. it, it's because, it, because it's got this very kind of nineteen forties Errol Flynn kind of feel to it. S- swashbuckling, like proper swashbuckling.
1: What about Muppet Treasure Island? Ah, that was one in our lifetime. Yeah, that's one. Yeah, so
3: I mean, I think it was a little bit out of date and. Uh, that idea and it had been kind of supplanted by the likes of Indiana Jones and, and that kind of action adventure stuff mm. and mm. we were just all we were getting a bit uh, tired of all that and then mm. uh, I guess these things always come back eventually
1: don't they? And Well yeah absolutely the, the western will be the, the well it's sort of happening now anyway mm. isn't it, the western it's being revived mm. Mm. but um, yeah I mean one of the things I'll say is that it's it was interesting rewatching um some stuff from these films just how earnestly it plays mm. it like it, it's not a particularly nod and a wink tongue in cheek pirates movie it, it's very much a kind of like no our pirates are cool and we we're, we're going to just do pirates like as they were and take it seriously enough that i don't, I don't know about that because you know, i think you know it isn't they they play a sense of they humor they straight don't get me wrong, yes but, but
3: i think but, like Jeffrey Rush, for example, is playing the the classic pirate. He's like the proper exactly uh, kind of. Pirate. That's what I mean. But That's, I don't know. He was a, maybe the guy I was going to point. Maybe in a, my yeah. from my point of view, I watched that with a certain sense of kind of postmodern irony, um, mm. <laughs> or at least a tongue in cheek, right? But perhaps it's not particularly I, I meant to be is. like that. That's <laughs>
1: the thing. It it feels to me like they said to Jeffrey Rush, like he said, "What's his character?" and they just said to him. Oh, he's, he's like the stereotypical pirate. <laughs> he's, he's just the guy you think of when you think of a pirate. And he was like, okay, and what, what makes him tick? And they're like, oh, well, he's just a pirate, but like, actually think about that for a second and <laughs> think what that guy would actually be. And he sort of went, oh, yeah, that, that would actually be quite interesting, I guess, if you took it seriously and played it straight to an extent. And that sort of seems to be how the films are pitched in general if you ask me Mm. and obviously like I say it's with a a light-hearted well I think yeah perhaps
3: the the sense of um yeah the nudge and wink sense of it comes through Jack Sparrow which is uh Mm. something we're gonna have to deal with as a sort of a separate topic I think the character of Jack Sparrow um because that character and Johnny Depp's performance is basically why this film was a success it's why there's been four four others of them as well do you agree with that not to not to say to that, it's not a well, that it's not well it's a well put is. together action film and all that, but it the that i think that is why it rose up.
1: I think if you took Jack Sparrow out of the first film and released this i don't know i i think it probably would have gone down relatively well, yeah, I think like it would have been all right sequels. it it wouldn't have been well, yeah the, you yeah, it wouldn't have been the the cultural yeah. like powerhouse that it it was it wouldn't have um there wouldn't be a fifth film coming out soon. Put it that way. Mm. So, but I mean,
3: uh,
1: I think it would have gone down.
3: A so, rate. just to talk about Jack Sparrow for a, a bit, um, I think that that character it became an instant icon, didn't it? In in like the way that you've got an Indiana Jones or or that kind of per, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, yeah. And I think you can always tell when something has become an instant icon because. Everybody dresses up as them uh, for fancy dress. <laughs> that's, that's how you know it's like Heath Ledger's Joker. You know you're on a winner. <laughs> oh yeah, <okay. laughs> um, totally. And, and I think, but it is also one of those characters that anyone can kind of do an impression of, or at
1: least a kind of passing caricature of. Yeah.
0: So that you know, you know, they're yeah, game. well,
1: yeah. <laughs> so Calvin, do an impression of Jack Sparrow.
0: Oh, hello, me lovely ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: Jack Sparrow and Johnny Depp are pretty similar, (laughs) aren't they? Well, the character's based on Keith Richards, isn't it? We all know that. Not to get too ahead of ourselves, but doesn't that just feel a bit like... You know what it reminded me of when Keith Richards showed up in in the third one? It it felt like when Tony Blair turned up on the Catherine Tate show or Comet <laughs> Relief or whatever it was. Just that yeah. kind of labored this old man's been told that this'll be good for his appearance and he doesn't really understand <laughs> what he's doing right now. <laughs> Anyway,
3: well, okay, so we'll
1: get to that in a minute. For
3: a start, I don't, this, this character, it feels like something that no would not be written like that and that no studio would like. Like no studio would take oh, yeah. a risk on a character like that because it could just be such mm. nonsense. And I think Johnny Depp's getting away with it just because he's Johnny Depp. And so they're like, oh, fuck, we're, we're stuck with this. And he's like, well, you know, I'm doing it my way, I'll piss off. So <laughs> they've had to go all in. Um, and it's paid mm. off for them big style but just seeing that character as it is it, it, you you know that the studio must have hated it <laughs> like when they were seeing that especially <laughs> it, imagine like seeing the rushes and it's like out of context of the whole thing and you're seeing him fannying about and like waving his arms around and like they must have just thought like, what the fuck is this guy doing <laughs> He's like deliberately back tanking our film <laughs>
2: There was a complaint, I can't remember who this was from exactly, but there was a complaint from someone involved in the film that, like, why is he playing at, like, a gay drunk hairdresser? <laughs> and that was the <laughs> that was the, yeah, the feeling. Um,
1: like, how big was Johnny Depp's, like, credibility and star power in 2000 and... Uh, 2003, was it, yeah. the first one? 2002? 2003. Yeah, 2003. Because this... Jack Sparrow is what? That's probably the definitive Johnny Depp role. It is now, now, yeah. So his career definitely went up after. No, I don't know about that. It's just that
2: time goes by. But he was a
1: big name. Yeah, he was a well-established name.
2: Yeah, Edward Scissorhands, Sleepy Hollow, Cry Baby. Um, he was in a lot. I mean, yeah,
3: he, this is the kind of first yeah. major, kind of big Hollywood franchise sort of thing. Like he was always more mm. your kooky cult Tim Burton kind of thing, but still, yeah. but still very much the Tim Burton end of cult, not like proper cult. So
1: yeah, he was he
3: was a big name. Everybody knew Johnny Depp was.
1: Well, well, similarly, um, this was also kind of. Gore that The thing that put him out there as a, a huge blockbuster director. Um, he, he'd, he'd come off The, the Ring, the mm-hmm. American remake of The Ring that we covered in a previous episode. Yeah, you know, which we all really liked. A, but, but that was about as big a film as he'd made at that point, The Ring. Mm. So to say he went from that to this is quite a big step up. So I can see how again, like, I I can completely believe that the producers were kind of shitting themselves and not quite sure what to make of it. And have Mm, we said,
3: I would put, um, I would say that Gorvabinski is responsible for the fact that this film is very well made. I think Gorvabinski is a great director, and this is a really well put together piece. Like, the way it's structured, the way it's paced, and all that. Like, yeah, Johnny Johnny Depp Mm. is the heart of it, I think, but Yeah, the whole body is there. And that's Dan Ogobinsky, I think.
4: Mm.
1: I agree. I think he took a project that on paper shouldn't have worked at all and and kind of (laughs) made it, uh, hammered it into shape. The other thing I'll say is that uh, the character of Captain
3: Jack Sparrow is not the lead. He's not the main focus, really. He's he's the side character he's the he's the side hero he's like uh, han solo isn't he and he's never he's not yeah. the focus or in the fourth film he is but in those original films he's not the focus and i think that really works because it allows him to be a bit more of a kooky character mm. we don't have to and it's kind of mm. like um bender in futurama where he's the bad guy and he does really terrible things sometimes but we still love him and but he couldn't be the hero and do that do you know what i mean
2: I know what you mean completely, Alan. I feel like, had it been anyone else in that role, apart from Johnny Depp, this is something that you would rewrite the script and make Orlando Bloom's Will Turner the main hero of the film, and Johnny Depp would be a a bumbling side character for comedy relief. And for Johnny Depp to be... He might not be the focus, emotionally, of the story, but he is very much the star of the film. But,
3: like, who Uh... who else... Like, if if that was going to be played straight or, like, however the studio imagined it, who else would you get to play it? Like, what, you know, like, who, can you imagine anyone else playing that character and how would they have done it?
2: No, and, and, I mean, that's a credit to Depp because it's, like, he's completely just that character. It's, you can't really picture anyone else in that role. Um. I mean, you have to go for someone like... I would have gone for someone
3: older, so he becomes a kind of mentor figure, almost. And sort of mm. like this guy at the end of his life still clinging on to his, like, his former glory. is that sort of
1: idea. Um, mm. Yeah, like I some, mean, is some... a Alec bit older Baldwin. Than, Oh, God. I mean, he is a bit older than... <laughs> Alec Baldwin as the pirate. He is
2: a bit older than Orlando Bloom and um, oh, yeah. Keira Knightley anyway, by yeah. about 15 years or something, and... Um, hmm. Um, but I, I, it's safe to say then that Stephen we're all fans Baldwin. of we're all fans of
1: <laughs> Jack Sparrow and Johnny Depp's performance. Uh, well, this is what I wanted to to get into quickly. Um, like, how how do we feel about the film as a whole? Like, are we are we fans of the first one? Or? Oh yes, huge! I think it's brilliant.
3: Well, I mean, if you're talking just about the first one. Um... I didn't have particularly high expectations to be honest. I've seen it before and I watched it again. I haven't seen it for a long time and I was really impressed by it. Actually, Like I said, it was, it just worked as an action adventure. It, it, yeah, it felt like watching a Bond film on a bank holiday, you know, it was that kind of feel. Yeah, Yeah, And it worked perfectly for that. It's got enough kooky characters to, to make it entertaining and it does the job. Like it's never going to be like a masterpiece, but it, yeah. And it was, and the visuals look really great. The whole production design is fantastic and it, Gets that world, you know, makes it all very exciting. The music, mm. yeah, it's really yeah.
1: good. Yeah, i i I have a weird relationship with the film, the first one, because mm. I I just objectively I can see that it's very well made, and like I I totally get why Jack Sparrow is popular, and you know I I I think Gore Vabinsky did a pretty great job, and like I I get it but there's just something about the first film that completely leaves me cold and i don't know what it is hmm. like i cannot i sort of sit there and think yeah this is all very well done good on it but it just doesn't do anything for me and i i don't know why that is i don't know what disconnect there is there but essentially yeah i'm not a big fan of it to be honest i i i get quite bored by it i i Overall, I feel like it's fairly mediocre, but like when I take a step back and really look at it objectively, I can see that it's, you know, a very well made action blockbuster and I probably should like it more than they do well
3: it it does have a couple of big drag factors uh in the names of orlando bloom and kira knightley oh yeah um yeah i mean orlando bloom is one of the worst actors of his generation isn't he oh (laughs) he's really terrible and and kieran well um, Knightley. so is kira knightley well kira knightley do you know what oh
2: no i will get on a soapbox to defend
4: i was
3: feeling i was feeling the same way right i was i was thinking kira Knightley shit but I've definitely seen her do decent work. She's good in Pride and Prejudice and a couple other things. <sighs> and But I think she's really miscast in this. I think this is not a good part for her because she doesn't really do the damsel in distress thing kind of very well. But then she can't do the strong independent female thing very well either. I, I don't know what she can do, but I've definitely seen her do things where she, she can act. I just think she's not being asked to because she's getting away with it.
2: You know, I feel like I have to defend Kira Knightley a lot more than what I you know, <laughs> <Naturally> proportionally would. <laughs> would do. Uh like I I think she's a perfectly fine for what she does, I think she's great, to be honest. I love her in, in this film.
1: But uh What what have you seen her in? Like she I, I feel like she's kind of she just about gets away with it in this film. Just about. Yeah. But I've never really seen her in something and thought, "Yeah, that was a good performance." And I've like Atonement. Say, should...
2: She was great in that. Ugh, that I mean, Bend it like Beckham.
1: to begin with. Um, I don't really remember her in that one. She's quite a small. Ill- partner, Pre-
2: Pride she? and Prejudice, as Alan said, I think she's perfectly fine. I don't, I don't really get all the hates. She's uh, she's a bit shit
1: and Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. If you've seen that, she doesn't in- really. Uh, and do you know, the Tation
2: Game. She was good in that. There is a, there
1: is another
3: thing as well, which. I admit, is a bit more superficial, and so it's, it seems a bit harsh, but
1: I can't stand King her voice. King one of the worst films I've ever seen. Sorry, I, I,
3: I can't that. stand her voice, and the way her mouth moves, it, it's so aggravating, and I, I'm not even sure why, uh, but, I, I mean, am I hitting any notes here? Do you know what I'm talking about? Or do you, have you not I, I know, that? I
2: know what you mean, but I like <laughs> it. I like that her mouth is that way. <sighs> Naturally pouty. She, she can't help but not pout.
3: It's not It's not just that. Do you know what? It's like because Kitra Knightley. Like if we're talking superficially, all the ingredients there is someone I should find attractive. But there's just something about her that is just makes me feel a little bit kind of creepy, or creeped out, a <laughs> creepy, I suppose. And um, and and she she was just this kind of like. Princess Diana head tilt thing like oh i'm so mm. i'm so modest and bashful and you just...
2: i mean i mean every film in this series does crowbar in a, a romantic subplot right. between oh, um, I, the I two young it. stars i don't i don't mind it in this film i think it feels yeah, I mean, fine uh, but the, here. the thing is
3: that in yeah because in this film essentially it is the plot it's like it's that is yeah. the lo- it's not a crowbarred in love story it is the love story and then there's a plot to keep them moving to put obstacles. At least in, there.
1: in this one, you've got Norrington bouncing off them, which sort of makes <sighs> up for it. Don't you think Jack Davenport's a little of shite as well, though? Oh no, I love Norrington.
3: No, no he's—I've never seen Jack Davenport add anything to a character that another actor couldn't have done. Do you know? What I you mean? mean, like, you, you, he's the most generic, standard man. You and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just
2: boring. I, I don't mind him. I think he's fine, the, Well, the part is boring. Like he's supposed to be a boring, unexciting yeah, guy.
3: Yeah, no, but he plays that in everything.
2: <laughs> yeah, and he's fine doing that. Well, I couldn't buy him as like a lead. Like I, I'm sure he couldn't play Jack Sparrow, but in what he is here, he's fine. And I think the rest of the supporting cast are very nice and colourful and characterful. Well, <coughs> Kevin McNally is well, is really good. Yeah,
3: that's it. I mean, there the, there is apart oh, from Kenzie these kind Kirk. of main guys. There's there's lots that of that monkey. Uh, yeah, there's lots of little yeah. side characters who are really just quirky Jonathan enough Price. to be comic relief, aren't they? Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. But yeah, so they're, um, they're all. The the plot yeah. is that there's some sort of curse thing going on, and and that's kind of a reveal later on where they turn out to be a skeleton army kind of thing.
0: Um, mm,
1: but it, mm. it, it, I remember that
3: it, in the trailer.
0: It
2: takes the oh, it, you better believe oh. in ghost
0: stories, Miss Turner.
2: <laughs> You're in one. Yeah, yeah, that great line. <clears throat> so <laughs> it, it's. It's a bit
3: of a twist, I suppose, but it, it's it's handled really well. It takes the film into full-on kind of supernatural territory, but it works. And I think the the skele- Skellington army are really well rendered. Like, they look really cool. And, you know,
1: mm. especially for 2003 mm. effects, they're done really well. Oh,
3: well they yeah. cast yeah, they well look. as
1: well. Like, Mackenzie Crook like looks like a pirate ghost to begin with. So <laughs> oh, perfect. They, <laughs> but... Yeah. But I, I, I mean, I don't think the film would have worked without going full blown mm. supernatural. I think that's a big part of why it works and why it's yeah. a franchise with legs beyond the first film. I mm. think if it was mm. just swashbuckling, uh, swashbuckling pirates, then like it would have appealed to some people, but a lot of people would have been like, yeah, just boring pirates, mm. yeah, a bunch of thieves out on the sea being unpleasant (laughs) you have to add in the magic MacGuffin stuff to like get a load of people to pay attention
3: yeah and 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 there's the other element that i think works really well um especially in terms of like the action adventure bit are the set pieces like where for example jack sparrow and will turner are having the fight in the blacksmiths thing and it just really incorporates oh, yes. the physicality and the set, and it's slightly comedic, but you know it got all the sort of action you want it to have as well. They do that really well in all the films, and and that's a big part of it. I think. I think, yeah, I keep coming back to Indiana Jones. It seems to be a great touchstone of action adventure and, and yeah, doing with, it well with a bit of a supernatural twist. Yeah, and yeah, that. and it just yeah. it just does it it just does it really well. Again, I'll put that on the director. I think, uh, mm. because rather than writers, because the writer is very much, they have a fight, you know? And then some, someone has to bring that yeah. to life. So, you know, your director and choreographers, I guess, and you're, all that sort of thing.
2: Yeah. But I, I will
3: say that, and it needs it because, like, sword fights are, are one of the most boring things in film, <laughs> generally speaking. That's why you never see a, that's why you only ever see sword fights when someone's like, cutting a rope and then a chandelier propels them up into the sky and they come down the curtains <laughs> because it's just boring otherwise <laughs> even <laughs> because even even a well choreographed sword fight that's got loads of edits in is still just two men like tapping pieces of metal at each other like because you can't actually stab near each other and make it look realistic <laughs> because you gets stabbed um, yeah
2: what else about Pirates of the Caribbean then the music uh... Oh yeah, music. Ah yes, the music by Klaus Badelt. Um, I love the main theme. I know Saul, you're gonna get on your. Oh, it's Gladiator. Uh, <laughs> it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But I mean, no, it's 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 an amazing, it's an amazing score. Um, like I do really love the music, but it is just like recycling Hans Zimmer themes, and I, I don't know quite what Hans Zimmer. What his involvement was in the first one, I know he was involved in some capacity.
2: Um, yeah. Um, but... Well, he pre- he just did the the sequels by himself, didn't he? Yeah.
1: yeah. But I don't I don't know if he like produced the score or something for the first yeah, one. Yeah, no. but but it's yeah, no, it, he, he's got he's his credited as music producer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as I've said in previous episodes, it's there's melodies in this lifted directly from Gladiator, lifted mm. directly from Lion King two. Can uh, <laughs> you
3: can you can you do them for me? I'll I'll judge. Hum hum them for me, well, I'll all tell you for the Yeah,
1: go ahead. <laughs> Alright, so in in uh in Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean it goes mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alright, and then in Gladiator it goes <poisonous Feel zas> <laughs> <laughs> <thermal Copenhagen> <Thank laughs> That does
3: sound similar, yeah? Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, apparently there were a lot of composers um, on on the film. I, I maybe they were rushing it. I I don't really know, but uh, yeah, apparently there are
1: a lot that went uncredited. But I mean, it has to be said, the music, like derivative as it is, is is very good and gets the blood flowing to it. the film. It, it it's a big part of what sells the whole thing and makes it you know feel like this big epic and. And and it's one of the last iconic film scores, really. I'd say we we spoke about this in the Harry Potter episode we did. Mm. Um, I'd say Pirates of the Caribbean is up there with the uh, the more iconic film scores of of uh, very one of all time, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you play that
2: theme, and people know what the
1: what the yeah. film is. If I I remember one night um, walking home. Passed a a club night at uh, Leeds Student Union um, years ago, and and uh, you could just hear like some sort of dance remix of uh, (laughs) the theme from Pirates of the Caribbean blaring out, which (laughs) always really amused me. It was of like (laughs) dun 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 dun, 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 (laughs) like drums and everything. It was brilliant. No, that's a remix of the Gladiator theme. (laughs) Oh, yeah,
2: Ridley Scott (laughs) DJ.
3: Um, so, I mean, the, the one other thing that I would complain about, about the first film, and it, and it gets even more true for the later films, it's a good 20 minutes too long, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh,
3: I mean, the the later ones just take the piss completely. But this first one, yeah, just, it would have been quite easy. Just take a few little bits out, get it down to a more manageable length. And I don't know why they didn't do that. like Because it's not a very yeah. commercial thing to do, mm. to release something two hours and 10 minutes long.
2: Yeah, no, we we will get into this more of the sequels, but I am surprised that like films like this should be no more than two hours ideally. It's yeah, just a fun adventure film. That's all it needs to be. And two and, hours uh, would be pushing is, is this... it.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah, but I mean, this one's one hundred and forty-two minutes, and that is far too long. Um, about
3: seventeen minutes of that is credits, though. Yeah.
2: So, it's uh, safe to say that we're all uh, fans of uh, the first film, then apart from Sol, who just hates <laughs> it for no good, no
1: good reason. <laughs> I mean, literally. I'm, I'm, in, I'm indifferent. <laughs> <laughs> it leaves me cold.
2: Do you think it's an aesthetic thing with you? Because you don't really like... Uh, you don't like Lord of the Rings and that kind of fantasy no, stuff. No, because... Yeah, neither do I. Um,
1: If we're moving on to the second one now... Uh yes. the weird thing is the second one does kind of do it for me even though it's clearly what? not as good a film.
4: Interesting. Oh, wow. interesting. On that
1: like I'm, I'm not saying I like the second one because as I think we've discussed in a previous episode I I cannot stand <laughs> films that just uh call it quits because they've run out of time and this film's like mm. 3 hours long to begin with isn't it it's like absurdly oh, long to have... say it doesn't yeah, do anything. Yeah. Like the film, the, the second film is just a series of set pieces with no yeah, running plot or through line really. But those individual set pieces do really work for me. I do find them mm. Wait, funny I mean, I, and exciting I, I, and the action works and I, I like the the production design. And I know why. I know why you don't like
3: the first one. It's because the cursed crew of the Black Pearl. Uh, they're kind of like zombies, but not proper zombies. Uh, and that always, that always aggravates you, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> that That is a problem I have with the fourth one. Uh,
3: we'll we'll to that in a minute.
1: The second one's got Bill Nye in it as Davy oh, Jones.
3: absolutely a, the highlight for me of the second film. Bill yeah. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> and I, I do
1: think that's a big part of uh, what makes them work for me more, the, the second and the third one, to be honest. Mm. This is the weird thing. Like, I... I would rather watch the second or the third film, even though they're not like as good. <laughs> it's it's a weird, a weird huh. thing. But but they they encompass everything that I like from Gore Verbinski, and I can see that that's present in the first film. It's just there's something about the first film that, like I say, leaves me cold, and I don't know what it is. Um, well, presumably I think...
3: Gore Verbinski had more freedom in the later ones. So if it is him yeah. you like, maybe he's just coming through it more.
1: But you, you know, like loads of people like the second and third one, No. but they're like, "Well, it's not as good as the first one." But I love Pirates of the Caribbean. I feel like I'm meeting them at the same level with the second and third one, but I just didn't like the first one very much. It's it's this weird. Huh. I don't know what it is about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the second and third for for anyone who doesn't know were shot back to back. Yes, they're essentially parts one and two of the same film and we we've, um, we've
3: talked about this before we think we talked about it on harry potter but when they do that when they do the two films back to back and basically make one long film that they chop up um cardinal sin as far as i'm concerned it shouldn't happen well this was
4: a
1: this was done. a pretty early example of that mm. um it was before it had become as much of a trend in hollywood as it now is but it's, um, it's because of Lord of the Rings. They got away with it on Lord of the Rings, and then yeah. But it doesn't really. It doesn't have the justification for it here. That's the thing. Lord of the Rings. Well, they were, you know, they they were doing different books, even though the books were one big book that got chopped up. But there there was still a justification for it, and and you know, Harry Potter and Twilight down the line were you know, well, this book's so big, we but don't that, want to leave it. That's it, exactly. If you're, doing a, but, if you're doing an adaptation of a novel, a novel's a big fucking thing,
3: and you have to really cut it down to make a film. And if then that exactly. novel is then so revered by the fans that you have to totally yeah. do it properly, and you can justify it from a commercial point of view, which they can with Lord of the Rings and Harry yeah. Potter. But this is but just this some is original a, bullshit adaptation they're making of up. They, they can do whatever they want with it. So make yeah. a
1: single film, and then make another yeah, single film. It, it's Why? bizarre, isn't it? It doesn't make I can sense. understand them wanting to film them back to back as well, but just yeah. just write two and, different and, and films sprinkle stuff. a couple of things in that set up ideas for the next one. You don't have well, exactly to, Back yeah, to the Future great. parts two and three yeah. are a good example of how to do it because you know they were shot back to back, and there's a lot of symmetry between the films, and like you say, things sprinkled in, and there's a an overarching um, kind of character based um, bit of evolution that kind of plays more heavily through the second and third film but is a little bit present in the first one um but they're they're largely self-contained films you know they they tell their own stories they're not reliant on you having seen the other films really um but here it's just unnecessary it's just and like i say because the film is like it is like absurdly long to begin with the second film it's like two and a half hours yeah and there's um, and there's bits in it that don't add anything to
3: that film and and I don't think they even set up that much for the second film either. I don't know why like uh, the best example I can they think do' they
1: set up about they set up about twenty minutes at the start where they have to bring Jack back from the dead, and that's it yeah
3: yeah yeah and uh, the the bit in the in the second film where they go to wherever they go and meet the Caribbean woman who's like turns out to be a god or whatever uh, naomi Naomi Harris, Harris plays her yeah. It, yeah. That's just that scene where they meet her the first time and, and Johnny Depp's like, Oh, all right, love, I haven't seen you for a while and then mm. and all the other characters are there. It's so long and slow and I don't know why. And it doesn't really add yeah. anything. It doesn't set up anything that pays off later. Like you could do that scene in four minutes, like boom, here's another character. She knows this. They need this information from like move on. Yeah. But it's just weirdly slow and maybe that's just I, I don't know. Maybe that's the the studio just thinking. Oh, well, we, we questioned it last time and it paid off. Um, so let's just well, keep an mouth shut and let
1: him do what I want. It's Jerry mm. Bruckheimer, isn't it?
2: The producer, yeah.
1: Yeah, and he he does love his big, bloated, long movies. <laughs> it, is, it is very much within his uh, style.
2: But there are so many tangents and weird yeah. stuff that happens. Like you mentioned the scene with Naomi Harris, but in the third one when she becomes a giant, and <laughs> yeah. it's and completely <laughs> unnecessary. And yeah. then, like even even the fact that they have to go and they go to like the what is it the underworld or they go to the other side or something to bring back Jack after he dies, it's just It is unnecessary. So and many like, tangents. And,
3: and she and she ties into that character ties into Davy Jones, which that never really pays off either because they don't, you know, you could just have David Jones as the bad guy. You don't need that extra motivation or whatever. It's just bloating this stuff up that doesn't need to be. Like you could literally take that character out, that Naomi Harris character out, do a little bit of rewriting and it wouldn't affect the film, like really at all. Maybe, or maybe have her as a one scene character they go to to bring someone back from the dead or whatever. Like she helps for that and then goes off again.
1: That, that should have been the entire third film. It should, like, the, the entire third film should have been we're going to bring Jack back from the afterlife. It's Star Trek that's, that's, 3, isn't it? <laughs> search, yeah. search for But, that, search but that's baron. something... No, but, but you know, the, the, the idea of the pirates go to hell or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that was Ghostbust on tangents, and it's weird because there's, there's mm. some ideas in there that, that would have sustained an entire film. And would have been better if they kind of explored it properly, and 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 the running time. Like I said, I've just seen the the running time for the third film. I forgot it was this long, but like fucking hell, it's two hours forty nine minutes long. Yeah, in the third yeah. film. That's yeah, totally. absurd. Well, I must admit that the third film. It took me about three
3: days to watch it because I got like I had to do it like in half hour chunks. Because I just couldn't like, I don't. I just watched the first two like as well in the same week, and I just couldn't take it all in one go. It was too much for me, <laughs> so I had to sort well, of they're, take they're, breaks.
2: There's so many, there's so many confusing. I I think a problem with the writing for these two is that characters do things because the plot needs them to do it, rather than it being natural for the character. Because there are so many double crosses, and there's that scene, and I think oh, it's the I, third yeah, one. Yeah,
3: I stopped. I didn't. You know where they're on that
2: little there. beach. Yeah, they're on that little beach, and then they're they're sort of like someone's double crossing someone else, and someone's double crossing, and, and Jack and Will and Elizabeth aren't on the same page anymore for some reason, and they're all just it, it it's so confusing, and I don't know who's on whose side or why. Like they make this huge effort to go and bring Jack back from the uh, the underworld or whatever, and then when they eventually do meet up with him, they're kind of like, oh, you're a dick, aren't you? We only you know we don't even like you, and it's and well, why yeah, did you go that- to the effort of saving him then?
3: Yeah, and in a, really, in a really profound way as well. Like, they all sort of stood up and said, yes, I'll save my captain. And then, like, they had to yes. go. So it wasn't even just, like, a practical thing, like, oh, he has the thing we need to get to save the world or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? It's like they, it was a real loyalty thing.
1: It, it's weird. Like, yeah. objectively, I do think the second and third films are really, like, a bit shit and, and very, like, poorly made, very poorly written certainly um but the individual action sequences and stuff kind of work for me and just like if i was if if jack sparrow was gonna drop me off on a desert island somewhere and he was gonna say to me right sol you can have you can have one one of my movies to to keep you company whilst you're sat on this island for the rest of uh however many months it's gonna be before you can get a load of turtles together and and surf them back to civilization <laughs> like I'd probably pick the second film like that that for my own like entertainment I'd probably rather watch that over and over again than the first one but yeah <laughs> That's
2: interesting. Oh, I mean, there are brilliant action sequences, like the bit where they're in that wheel in the second one. Yeah, great. And there's the sword fight going on on top, and Johnny Depp's in the middle running along. Yeah, that's what, like I said, in the
3: the... the first one. Yeah, it's these great little set pieces that work really nicely. Bit too long, but you know, basically work. And and um and it and it's imaginative. It's a kind of a new idea I haven't seen before. You know, and it and it really it feels yeah like a kind of proper nineteen forties swashbuckling thing, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And like the 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 final battle sequence in the third film, where it's the the, the ships are in this massive whirlpool, and it, 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 the, I can't fault the action at all. It's it's wonderful, um, and I do I do like in terms of new characters that are introduced. I do really like Tom Hollander as the yeah. um, East India Trading Company man. I think he's a go- he's a good villain. He does
3: alright. I don't think he does anything particularly amazing. It's a Stop, kind of villain, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah. No, Bill Nighy, but yeah, it does does fine. But that that was the interesting thing about that that I I thought um, because the obvious thing with the after the first film would go okay, everyone loves Jack Sparrow. Let's do the next adventures of Jack Sparrow and bring in a new cast to surround him, which yes. they do to a part yes. because they bring in these two new villains. But then they keep fucking mm. Kira Knightley on Orlando Bloom, and it's well, like, they they yeah.
1: are like the. Again, they're kind of the backbone of the the trilogy, as it were. They're the overarching mm. story that we're meant to care about. But my yeah, this, my like, my point is,
3: don't make a trilogy. Make a series of films, and the, the Jacks, the, yeah, Jack Sparrow and the Dead
1: Man's Chest, Jack Sparrow and the whatever. One thing I do want to touch on though um, is that the monkey is like back and and like undead and everything in the second film. Um, did that bother you when you watched it? Because oh, you cause didn't. No, because t- I know about didn't... this. There, there's a little oh. end credit, like Marvel style, little joke where the monkey steals a coin, isn't there? So
2: yeah, at the end of the first film, yeah, yeah, the but
1: it's after the end credits, and I remember going to see it in the cinema, the second one, and everyone just being like, "Why is that fucking monkey still a skeleton?" And and
4: yeah, like. I thought that it was as something well.
1: everyone had to look up online afterwards. Yeah. I, just,
3: I don't know if i, I felt well, it was really. Uh... Uh, yeah, these these films do you post credit sequences, and I didn't know that. And um, and I'm—I mean, I don't watch credits at the cinema, and I'm certainly not going to watch them on DVD. Uh, I'm not going to sit through seven, eight minutes of fucking payroll clerk credits to 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 see a shitty scene at the end, like, and. Uh, it's, it's. I don't know why they do it. And if if you're going to do it, it just has to be a throwaway gag.
1: Well, at the and end of the third one, the third
3: they, one it's like a, a, yeah, it's like a real. It's an important sort of resolution part resolution of, of, of the
1: thing. Yeah, it? yeah. But I mean, uh, at least with the third one, they they'd established now that they have a, a little scene after the end credits, and word had got round by that point that you had to watch these bits after the the credits. Um, but I just found it very odd that they did something that sort of obviously jarring for a casual audience in the second film. Um, I mean, it's obviously, it's not a big deal and anyone who's bothered by it enough can just go and look it up online and stuff. But I don't know, it, just, it struck me like an odd decision when I watched it, particularly in a pre-Marvel world. Like, you could probably get away with that sort of thing more nowadays, mm. but... Mm. But even then, I don't think Marvel ever rely on you having seen those end credits scenes. No, and it's just a, t- it,
3: just a little They're just scared. tasters, aren't they? Just to tickle your fancy for the next film. Well,
2: I'm going to be very interested to see how, considering that both Orlando Bloom and Kara Knightley are back for the latest are film, are they? Are they? Very... Oh, for yeah. fuck's yeah. fuck right. sake. <laughs> yes. I'll be very surprised to. Um... Well, I'll be very interested to see how they sort of address <sighs> the end credits scene of the third one.
3: I've got more things I want to complain about. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. Um, I didn't particularly like the crew of the Flying Dutchman the way that they were. Uh, portrayed and. <laughs>
2: what are you talking about? This like a shark the, guy? Are
3: they the ones yeah, who laid like out it. limpets like, and? Walk yeah, out of it's the walls kind of interesting stuff.
2: ideas, but Why then they're like not. That? It's
3: not well executed, and it, like especially after the skeleton crew, of the last one, the, the CGI just isn't quite good enough, or or it's because you see them all in the sunlight or something, so it maybe makes it more obvious. But mm. and it, I, I don't think they're they weren't like motion capture, were they? It feels like they're just animated rather than kind of uh, properly. I, acted.
2: Pass. I don't know.
3: It doesn't feel like they are like. Well, Bill Nye does, but the rest of them don't feel like characters; they feel like I, cartoons.
2: I'd be surprised if they weren't motion capture, but I guess like Bill Nye, I mean, it's basically still a face that he's motion capturing. Whereas yeah. the other ones, it wouldn't surprise me if it was just the body movements that were being motion captured, yeah. and like the face and all that animation was probably. And you never, you never animators. get any real
3: character from any of them either, which you did with the first film. You kind of got a little bit of like, oh yeah, you can identify who's who, and yeah, that guy's always angry, and and that's how, that sort of thing. But I don't know.
2: Yeah, but we're not money. supposed to like. Yeah, it's harder to like uh, Shark Man Beyond. Oh, that's cool. Whereas, uh, you know, Mackenzie Crook is charming. Hey, didn't you ever apparently.
1: watch Street Sharks when you were younger, <laughs> Uh
2: No, I didn't. But I, I'm aware of it. Yes. Um. Yeah, I didn't.
3: Well, I didn't take to them like I had the previous film. Uh, what else? It's too long. Um, <laughs> Uh, Oh, yeah. That was the other big thing that I was surprised about. Uh, Yeah, the other big thing I was surprised about is just how much death is in the film. Yeah, And and, and Mm. particularly, like, death of essentially innocent bystanders. Yeah. Like, particularly one point, Will Turner is, like, under the curse of whatever, and the Kraken's coming to get him. He takes refuge on this merchant vessel, and knowing full well that the Kraken's going to take the ship down, because it's already happened once... But he, he doesn't like do anything. They and it the Kraken like kills everybody on board, or those that don't drown are, are slaughtered by um Davy Jones, like they, he cuts their throats. And there's it's like these are the just films. guys who are earning a living, and then Will Turner comes on their ship and dooms
1: them. And it just, yeah, and, and I, I don't the, know how I feel mm. about it. I, I don't know. I, on one hand, I kind of like that you know, you're making a pirate movie it'd be kind of absurd if people didn't die. But on the other hand, it is just very
4: brushed aside, isn't
1: it? I know what you mean. And
3: I think potentially my problem is it's not really the bad guys who are killing them. Yeah, it is directly, but it's the fact that Will Turner, who's the hero... He knows mm. that he's gonna be attacked and that everyone around yeah. him is gonna be hurt. And and it seems like it's all this is to kind of save one person or to save Elizabeth or to save Will or whatever. And it's just like how many other people have to die so that you have to live and like people who aren't the bad guys, who aren't involved. Yeah. It just happen to be too near mm. you when someone's well, trying to I- kill you. Yeah, I rewatched the and, um, that kind
2: of thing always leaves a bit of an icky taste in in my mouth as well because it is so flippant and it's yeah. so it, it's like in, in Bond films they talk about like how in Goldeneye during the tank chase the ta- the tank that James Bond is driving is like running over police cars <laughs> and stuff and in reality they would be very much dead but they always have a shot of where oh yeah, yeah. they're they're just innocent <laughs> people doing their job they get out of the car and they're fine I mean um, I, I, and, and and it's just how callous it is yeah. here it just feels nasty I was
1: really struck by it, because I, I rewatched the fourth one last night and there's a bit early on when uh jack sparrow's cornered by a a, a soldier or someone who's you know in pursuit of it he's, he's just an innocent guy like trying to uphold the law you know this is yeah. a dangerous fugitive that he's chasing and then he gets like shot in the back and dies and and jack sparrow's dad keith richards pops out and he's like hello son and it's like it's meant to be this like, hooray moment. I was like, and,
4: yeah.
1: a, a, for all intents and purposes, innocent man just being shot to death so that this like, yeah. violent dangerous criminal can uh, go off on a treasure hunt. It's <laughs> like, it's it's just, it's very odd how it's handled and I, I, like I say, I don't really know how I feel about it. On one hand, I kind of like that the films don't you know, like ignore that People would be dying, but at the same time, it's like you say, it's handled yeah. in a very glib fashion. It's just not very. It doesn't and really. And the thing is, you've got you've got enough bad guys that, in the film to yeah. have them kill people
3: and still kind of have the brutality of the world, but then have someone to to blame for it, you know, or have the yeah. you know, yeah, they're the bad guys, they're the good guys, kind of thing. the The only other thing that I was thinking in the second film that didn't make any sense was when you get this whole bit where Kira Knightley's character might fancy Jack Sparrow and it kind of pays off at the end because she uses that to kind of double-cross him. But then in the earlier film, it is very much, she's thinking, Oh God, I might fancy him. Oh no. What if I actually fancy mm. him? and I'm supposed to be in love with the other one. And it, it, it never quite worked and it never sat right. And it didn't make sense. It did, what did you think of that?
2: Yeah, no, you're completely right. Um, because I think we are supposed to think, certainly in the second and third films, that there is some kind of love triangle yeah, going on between yeah. the three of them, and it it never quite works. Cause I I don't ever question that her and uh, Jack Sparrow would ever really get together. Like I think he he would have a bit of her if he oh, you know, yeah. if he could, but he wouldn't want a relationship. <laughs> and uh, I yeah I it it just yeah it, it felt like a forced love triangle
3: again that that seems like something that you would write in that kind of film with like as a yeah. blank script rather th- like yeah again star wars they do it <clears throat> as a kind of they you just like okay let's put these characters in a love triangle kind of thing that will work you know but yeah. then in in this film surely the second film you're writing for these characters established you're writing for that johnny depp performance of jack sparrow and it doesn't work for that because that character is not working yeah. that way and so why have yeah. they why have they written it like that? Was this a, maybe this is like a retooled script from something else or something like that? And they just uh, well
2: possibly. I mean, they'll have been they'll have been drawing on a lot of different pirate law and that sort of thing. So I think we can move on to the third. Yeah, they're, they're pretty inter they blur into one in my yeah, mind. Same. Like I, I can't really. Well, they,
1: they are very much just parts one and two of the same thing. They're...
3: Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, well. You know, we said, uh, and you know, I said that Jack Sparrow is the thing that makes this really watchable. So um, taking yeah. him out for the first half hour, perhaps not the best idea. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. like, just come on, we need to bring him back to life. Come on, boom, done.
1: Get on with it. Like I say, it should have been the plot of the third film. That should have been the whole film. I don't there's even the quest to bring just, Jack the... back from the dead, and and they go to like the afterlife, and and there's ai
2: I I'm very I I don't like that kind of thing. It, it irritates me when you a character can die. Oh, but they're not really dead, and I think it it just removes any kind of stakes for me in a story when it's as easy as oh yeah, oh just go to the afterlife, bring him back. I I, right. I
1: completely agree, I... but obviously like that. That was set up in the second film, so they had. To, it's kind of the fault of that. Yeah, one, really.
2: no, I, I, I get it. I just hate it. I thing. no, I
1: agree. Like, I agree. Die I at the I end think of the last they one, and... <laughs> they shouldn't have done it because it like it's <laughs> certainly yeah. so early into the franchise as well. It's such an unnecessary. You know, if 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 this was like the seventh film and they didn't know if they'd be able to get Johnny Depp to agree to come back for an eighth one, so they killed him off. Like yeah. I'd sort of think, fair enough, but. But, yeah, and they, yeah, and they
3: filmed these back-to-back, so that means they set up his death scene in a way that they could then bring him back. It wasn't a exactly. uh, kind of, okay, we killed him off in a great sort of sacrifice move, and then next film comes, oh, we've got funding for the next film. Oh, shit, we have to bring him back. It's, it's all planned.
4: Yes. Yeah. So, mm.
3: I will say this, though. Um, the bit where Jack Sparrow does turn up and he's in, he's in this kind of purgatory... Um, was absolutely my favorite scene in the whole thing. And I thought
1: it was it's really good. Very, very gore for isn't it? Yeah. Like, but it, yeah but like, it felt it like a, a very yeah.
3: cool artistic director how, being able to do something interesting. But it, it worked really well. It had that kind of. Endless time, endless distance limbo feel about it. And he was kind of chasing after himself and and nothing was changing. And then these stones come to life and become crabs. And it's like totally mental. But it it worked really nicely. And I I thought it was really brave, frankly, to have it so long. Because it's about seven minutes, this sequence of just him wandering around in this white background with this black ship. And yeah, it felt like a really cool little short film. Um, and obviously he made it as long as he wants because he's making these films as long as he wants but I, I appreciated that bit that it was actually longer but I thought in the interest of making of the, the film a more realistic length and taking stuff out you take that chunk you cut it down to a couple of minutes and establish the same stuff and then you can use that bigger sequence and like release it before the film as like a kind of Viral video thing, or like a tr- like an extended trailer of look, like, hey, Jack Sparrow is in the afterlife, and they're gonna have to well, go and save him. Like that would have been a really cool like teaser. They thing, almost certainly
1: yeah. would have done if it had been released a few years on. I mean, I,
3: I... okay. Well, anyway, basically, my that kind of dreamy limbo sequence was my favorite thing in, in the and 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 again, yeah, I think speaks to a great director um yeah and a and a and a, a good actor like performing a, a solitary thing is is good um yeah I, I could watch a whole film like that probably, but
1: no one else would <laughs> so, uh yeah go on. next you know i don't think i've seen the trailer for the new film i've just seen this weird extended sequence
4: i, think, I don't mm. know it
1: might be wise
3: and no, is my thing I saw was a trailer i think he yeah, had the uh, what's his face yeah. in as the new bad guy, Javier
2: Bardem.
3: Yeah, yeah. it was him who uh, encouraged
1: me to go and watch it personally. Huh. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah oh. he, 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 yeah. It's, it's really weird. He's so <laughs> he's just like, "Hello, it's me, Javier Bardem. And I'm here <laughs> to welcome you to Pirates of the Caribbean." It's so <laughs> such an odd, like of all the people they could have. Well, you know why? It's because Johnny Depp's um, become problematic, like <laughs> oh. so they don't want to have him front and center anymore. Because like, yeah. if because if he was there, like it might put people off a bit. And, uh, they're obviously saving Kira Knightley as some sort of surprise. So, what sort of surprise. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm
2: sorry if I ruined that for anyone. <laughs>
4: Well, um, I mean, I'm um, not really. She's
1: like second build, from what I can gather. So I think she is mm, in God. it. Is quite, she? She's second up on IMDb, but that might just not be accurate.
2: Oh, oh, that's yeah. I, I wouldn't trust that. On on the poster, anyway, it's Johnny Depp, Javier Bardem, and Jeffrey Rush.
1: Oh yeah, and Jeffrey Rush, I guess. But most, yeah, the average person might be like, "Who the hell's Jeffrey Rush?"
2: <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, that's something else about the third one, actually, because obviously he gets brought back. He's the surprise at the end of the second one, though. Oh yeah, Captain Barbossa, Jeffrey oh, Rush God, comes I hate back
1: that as well. It's so
2: like it's it, it's odd, isn't it? Well, but I, I love I remember that character, when I, when I, and I love how he plays it. I
1: remember when I watched the second film, like it had been, you know. Four years or something since I'd seen the first film, and I wasn't that into it then. I just thought, who the fuck's that? I completely <laughs> forgot that it was this pirate guy from the first film. I just like, mm. but they make such a big thing out of, oh, it's that guy, remember? You remember this guy you all loved? The other thing was, I I don't remember everyone loving him in the first film. I remember everyone loving Johnny Depp. He's become more of a fan favourite, I think, with time, but that's partly because he's. Because they keep bringing him back. That's it, because he keeps coming back in the sequels. Exactly, it's so weird because I mean, he could he could have
2: been perfectly fine. It's just yeah, he's the villain of the first film. Yeah, just leave him there; he's dead. And then I guess maybe he was maybe he was really popular, and that's why yeah. they contrived a reason to bring him back. And now it's him and Jack as sort of it's best weird frenemies. though. It's
1: it's like if Davy Jones like joined the crew for the fourth one. It it's just a bit
4: yeah weird. yeah um, yeah.
3: But yeah. that could have happened.
1: I mean, that would have been better. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, like he's been freed from his prison and then he's like, oh, I can, I'm can, i not the beast anymore. I can go back to being a prince. Yay. And he's, But he's been changed by his experience.
2: <laughs> so, you know, sometimes it's fine just to have him be a villain and, you know, <clears throat> a colourful performance in one film. I don't think you necessarily need to bring him back. I mean, this goes back to what Alan said. So these films should, from the start, have probably been Captain Jack and his crew on an adventure, mm. and w- were they going to come about this time? What adventure are they going to get themselves embroiled in? Instead of this... They seem to be trying to make it a saga. Yeah. Like the Will Elizabeth and Jack yeah. saga, and it just it, it, it just feels unnatural for I it think, to be that I, way. Yeah, I
1: think that hits, a, hits the nail on the head, really. That's it. It, it, it really should just be fun little you know disposable adventures but there's this grandiose sense of self-importance like you say it feels like they're really yeah. trying to build this large world but they're they're just not like thinking it through well enough writing it properly so it just doesn't quite work the whole thing just feels a bit bloated as a result
3: well i mean before we go off this film I- I didn't like anything about the ending. Like all the sort of plot conclusions, the different ones, none of them worked for me. Um, like mm. for a start, those kids getting married in the middle of a sword fight—that annoyed me. Like that was just—it Yeah. It just felt so gimmicky and stupid. Plus, I, I didn't realise that they weren't like together. Like I, I thought it's, they were in love like from the first um, film. I thought that was the whole point—that they were in it's love. Like and a just classic kept Jackie get to Chan each other.
1: movie that. <laughs> getting married in the middle of a fight sequence it's right up his street
4: <laughs> but yeah but
3: i think there's there's this huge declaration of love i'm like oh my god yes we'll finally get together it's like you've been together for three films what are you talking about why is
1: this th- you've just yeah, been well, like chasing each other around marriage the world. apparently like means something to some people so
3: yeah but not even that i mean but he he like says oh will you marry me as if it's like some out of come out of nowhere I don't, I don't know. It just didn't work for me. And then and then, the, the bit with Tom Hollander's character and they're about to all get killed and he just stops talking for some reason. I don't know what that was about because that wasn't in his character at all. Like he suddenly stopped fighting and accepted death.
2: Are you talking about the bit where he's like? I love that sequence though, where he's like, just it's like slow motion. He's just like walking down the handrail, and it's like exploding behind him. The whole ship is just it was falling to pieces, and there are bits flying around, and he's just like gliding through it all. I think it's lovely. Oh,
3: I thought it was ridiculous, but also it just didn't make any sense with his character. Why did he just suddenly stop? Uh, and then because it's cool. and then they destroyed that boat, and the rest of the fleet army <laughs> turned away and ran off. So they defeated everyone with two boats. What was it about? What's that about? The other element of the ending, of course, with the Will Turner becomes the the death, um, the the ferryman of the dead, uh, which took me a bit by surprise actually, because they just had this big declaration of love thing, and then well, it's that's like, why they crowbar oh, it in. They, you're they cursed cr- forever that- now. But yeah, but I yeah, think they it's crowbar supposed- the
1: declaration of love in so yeah. that. He has his finale. Um, well, I
3: think it's supposed to be some
1: sad ending, and he's got something to cling on to. Like I'm not, mm. I'm, not I'm not, defending it because it's not like great writing. I'm just explaining the. What I was expecting
3: was that uh, while they're fighting, um, what is it? Stellan Skarsgård would, uh, you know, Will Turner's dad would stab the heart, and he'd become the captain. So like he would have to stay damned. Um, but then he'd lead the ship and Will would be able to go off with Elizabeth, happy in the knowledge that his dad is n- is still dead, but is now kind of has a purpose and not cursed.
1: Or whatever. Well, that's, that's just you wanting a Hollywood happy ending, isn't it?
3: Well, that would seem appropriate for this film.
1: But then the ending we get instead is that they're
3: apart. And it's, I think it's supposed to be some kind of romantic idea that they can only be together once every 10 years. And it's like, no, that's a horrific nightmare. Especially for her, because she has to actually go and live her life and then, like, not get another guy just in case, you know,
1: once every 10 years she's got to go and shag this guy. And then your post-credit sequence... Hey, she, she's, is, I don't know what she's been up to. Like, just because just she doesn't bring a new boyfriend to the island to I guess meet she, her ex. You don't mention you, it. You, you don't mention
3: <laughs> it. You get, you get like, 24 hours of the guy. Just don't mention it. Don't bring it up. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, but But then, like, they have one shag and his, like, obviously... Fully fecked sperm is so manly and amazing that he manages to knock her <laughs> up first time out,
1: and so <laughs> now he's deal. Yeah, well, he's, he's he's probably been like pent up this whole time. Like, <laughs> he doesn't seem like up. he seems like quite a repressed guy. He wouldn't be like <laughs> touching himself or anything. So it's just, and, uh, but then now she's
3: saddled with his bloody kid. Poor single mum going on. And she can't go and yeah, live. Yeah, in all, those like, days, she, that she has was to like... give up the life of adventure that she's been enjoying. She has to go and live in some shitty house on her
1: dad's money. Uh, no, but isn't she like and she's fucking like, loaded? Isn't her, isn't she from like practically royalty? No, he's just a governor. Like, oh a no, post, her dad's a he's governor. He's yeah.
3: And plus, he seemed to be. You know, <laughs> I don't know. He, he didn't seem to end very well. <laughs> 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 but she's
2: she's she's at that point. She is the. King of the Pirates, am I right? Because that's the whole of the plot. Well, exactly, it she's obviously not she keeping up that
3: life. My point is that in that in that no. world, I guess it's not real history, but in that world, she's not from a rich enough family that she can just never marry. She needs to marry someone to keep her in the you know the life to which she's accustomed. So she's gonna have. She can't just live single like a bloody widow. Uh, but anyway, but then he turns up after ten years. He's fucking. Talk about pent up, man. He's ready to go. And and she's um, she brings the bloody kid along. Like, first of all, surprise number one, you've got a kid. Right, deal with that emotionally. <laughs> Secondly, all right, we'll let him hang around for a couple of hours. I'll give him five quid to go to the cinema and we can have a shag. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, it's not what you need, is it? Like, come on. <laughs> just don't tell him.
2: Uh, so. Fourth one. Uh, should we? Yeah, should we move on to the fourth one? Because yeah. there was a there was a. I remember being very excited for it because it was going to do what I thought the series should have done all all along. Well, this was it. Get rid of everyone else, just Johnny Depp, yeah. and Je- bring Jeffrey Rush back. That's fine, but just put him in with the new set exactly. of characters, new adventure. Exactly.
1: Shed Orlando Bloom, yes. shed all the dead weight, shed Keira Knightley. Johnny Depp's the star. Like you say, Jeffrey Rush. Yeah, is you've got there his little sidekick, what's his on. name? Shmi or whatever it is. And yeah. That that guy. Yeah, Kevin McNally. But then yeah. but be, but more than that, um like it's it's Johnny Depp like it's Jack Sparrow going off to find the Fountain of Youth. That's a great great MacGuffin to play yeah. with there. Yeah, yeah. It's got mermaids in mm. it. It's mm-hmm. got zombies in it. It's mm-hmm. based on the classic pirate book, uh, on Stranger Tides. Mm. The 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 novel that um Blackbeard, or is it Bluebeard? Black is it Blackbeard, Blackbeard in the film. Blackbeard,
2: yeah, Ian McShane.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's that's the novel Blackbeard is from on Stranger Tides. It's it's like the classic pirate book. So mm. when when I found they were like just adapting a, a book that he'd bought the rights to, I was like, oh, okay, they probably found this great pirate story and just thought, fuck it, let's just change a few names and make it the sequel. Yeah. And I thought, which okay, makes sense. They've yeah. got some, yeah. So. Hopefully the story is gonna be good was kind of what I was thinking. Um Jack's gonna be in London. I thought, mm-hmm. oh nice change of uh change of, you know, scenery there, so it's not just more boring tropical islands and stuff, because we've mm-hmm. had enough of that shortly by now. Um and the trailer came out and looked great. Yeah, yeah. It was a really well cut, fun looking film. Mm. Um so then imagine our our mm-hmm. uh Displeasure (laughs) uh, when the film came out.
3: Well, I think the 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 major problem is weak characters, uh, weak supporting characters. Mm. Because I mean, Ian McShane as Blackbeard, there's just nothing there, is there? There's
1: no there's no character. Yeah, and you know, no 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 disrespect to Ian McShane, like he does as perfectly fine a job as, for example, Jeffrey Rush does (laughs) in these films. But it's just. It's just another generic Well, Well, that, that is the problem, because mm, that character, like...
3: it feels just
1: like it's written for
3: and, and But yeah. obviously he can't do the, ah, pirate thing because it's done. But he doesn't bring anything else either. And whereas, like, say, for example, Bill Nye gives this very kind of over-the-top but appropriate for the character performance with the accent and the, and the way he elongates mm, his mm. words and all that sort of thing, and the way he sort of twitches and floats about and stuff. Just a, a big character. And that's what you need in this film, a big character. And Ian McShane just does nothing. is just being himself, basically, with with a hat on. And then again, like, Penelope Cruz doesn't really do anything either. It's like, you know. And that, the whole story between Angelica, Angelica and Jack Sparrow never quite made sense to me. So the relationship between Blackbeard and Angelica is, it doesn't make sense either. It's... Because, yeah, he's supposed to be her father and, like, first thing, that might be a con and then it's, like, real and she genuinely, like, wants to save him. or But she wants to save his soul and redeem him, it, like, make him change his ways. But then she's just as kind of ruthless and cutthroat as he is. Plus, why does she care about this guy who perhaps, you know, impregnated her mother but n- was never a father to her?
1: There's far too much back and forth with that as well. They, they sort of do... They have the, like, twist-reveal... Oh, he's not your dad, and then they're like, oh, maybe he is, and it's just too much. It's and then, like, uh, yeah, and then the very
3: them. ending, he kind of he gives up on her, which is in keeping with his character, but then she still wants to help him, or like it just didn't really work. And then they didn't tie in with her thing with Jack either, because that never came together to anything. It's, it was all just really messy and silly.
2: But I think we can all agree that that was all better than the cro- seriously crowbarred in young people romance between yeah. the what is he Sam Claflin and uh, a mermaid.
1: Yeah, I mean it, that was enough to make you long for the days of Kira Knightley and <laughs> the, light of the moon. I mean, it's 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 just so unnecessary. You've like I say, you've shed that dead weight. So then, why bring in two like? Poor man's equivalents <laughs> of those characters. Why just saddle yourself with these two crap? It's it's like they still didn't have enough faith in in Jack Sparrow as a character.
4: Yeah, for the audience,
1: yeah. they felt the audience needed a, a a young pretty guy and a a young like attractive woman, just to two bland, boring lovers to to project themselves onto. Because God forbid people, like, empathise with characters that aren't as immediately, like, every man <laughs> as uh, Hollywood always, you know, likes to go with. The
3: whole, the whole thing's just disgustingly shallow. Like, he
4: mm.
3: he, he manages to, you know, perhaps not particularly deliberately, but he manages to trap this ferocious creature that's just, you know, her, her group has just killed a lot of his, you know, compatriots. And, but... She's very good looking so mm, maybe I've fallen in love. There you go. <laughs> and then it's like there's a few moments of like where he's trying to help her and stuff like that and so you can see how they might create some kind of bond but it's like the what do you mean you're in love like this eternal sense of love it's like you just you don't know what she is and f- f- and nothing else she's a fucking mermaid just cuz well, she's so, got a nice face it's like, that's not enough
1: where he you know <laughs> They they get married and it's wedding night and then they go to the bedroom and she like tears his face off and <laughs> eats yes. him and she's been playing the long game. <laughs>
2: that is, I I did like that twist that the mermaids are actually ferocious like vampire monsters. I, I, I did like that. <laughs> but
4: that's that's yeah, the I mean, idea that's, of mermaids, isn't it? They're like sirens or kind really of mental deaths,
1: doing them properly, isn't it? I think that's uh, how they're yeah. supposed to uh, be, isn't maybe.
4: It? That's
3: why they're a kind of a thing. They're feared by pirates. Well, by sailors.
1: Yeah. you, you know what my, my biggest complaint with the fourth film is, and it's very similar to my one of my biggest complaints with the third one. Oh. Is um well, like the whole thing should have been set in London. Hmm. Like they they spend twenty minutes in London at the start and hmm. And then they just go off on a pirate ship and they go off to the Caribbean again. And I know it's called Pirates of the Caribbean, but the the biggest problem I have with this franchise by, like, the third film is that I'm just bored of the same old scenery of a pirate ship and tropical islands and stuff. And I Mm. I need, like, a fresh, like, backdrop. And, And films generally give a fresh backdrop after, like, or, or a fresh flavour, and at least the third one they go off to, like, what is it, like, Chinatown, and some ice mountain, and the afterlife. Um, the fourth one spends 20 minutes in London, and then it just goes off and does, like, really derivative Pirates of the Caribbean stuff that we've seen in the other three films. Mm. And and I just think it would have been so much better if it had been set in, like, London, mm. in, in a kind of more, you know, urban, but The old days kind of (laughs) backdrop because they're you know, there's no reason why it had to be. Oh, he goes off to sea and everything. I'm sure people would have been happy with Pirates of the Caribbean without it necessarily being set in the Caribbean. You know, you get a couple of snarky bloggers commenting on it, but Mm, mm. I'm sure audiences would go along with it. I don't know. Do you do you not think it was a bit of a waste? It just because as it is, it's just this. 20 minute prologue that doesn't really. It's just yet another tangent, really. Yeah. It doesn't do Uh... much to. I, I, I could have spent longer
2: there, certainly. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with them going to the Caribbean. They probably have to, considering it's, yeah, like you say, Pirates of the Caribbean. I could have had longer in London, maybe 50-50 sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, I liked the stuff when we were there. R- uh, Richard Griffiths doing a very Camp King George, I thought was funny. Or, m- or
1: maybe not Maybe not the whole film, but just if it was tied in a bit more. You know, like yeah they- they go back and forth, or they go there, but there's still a character... Like, you see some of the fallout of King George, or...
4: Mm. Do you
1: know what I mean? It pay- pays off a bit more down the line. Lo- I don't know, it just felt very... It just felt like a tangent, like I say, and just kind of... Just wasted.
3: Mm. Um, <clears throat> what What was with all the um, religious stuff? With the, yeah, that was odd, like, wasn't it? The young man was like, he was this religious character. But that didn't really go anywhere. Salma Hayek, uh, no, Salma Hayek, is it? Um, Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit racist. Close. Um, Angelica is trying to save the soul of her father, and she's always wearing this big crucifix thing. And then right at the end, the Spaniards turn up, who have been dropped in throughout, but not properly set up, and we don't know who the fuck they are, what that's about. So that was a Mm. weak plot point. But then they turn up and destroy this stuff in the name of God, because this is heathen like magic or something Uh, like it's not the proper God. So it shouldn't be allowed. something like that. But then I don't know Mm -hmm. if that was saying like, Oh, religion is like they're saying you're replacing your faith with this heathen magic. But are they saying that's because religion isn't strong enough to outdo it or that Christianity is destroying the old religions. Was it making a point about that or was it just nonsense? Uh, I
4: mean, I,
2: I do. I mean, obviously we haven't actually talked about. We have a new director this time, Rob Marshall. Is he religious, or is this is this his influence? Uh, I, I don't know much about him.
1: This was a big part of why I was so excited for the fourth film. Was a new director. It, you know, it's a quite outside the box choice for a film like this. And again, it just felt like yeah, fresh voice coming to the franchise. This this guy who's made fairly acclaimed films, um, but I didn't I didn't think that it was like a pro religious statement really.
3: If anything, it was anti religious. But that wasn't very specific either. It just felt like an idea about spirituality or saving a soul that was intended to be there but never paid off, or perhaps it mm. was in the original script and then it kind of got chopped up and didn't come back and and that sort of thing. It mm. felt like that where something that
1: it was a loose end. I don't know, a lot of this film just isn't really very well thought through, I don't think. Like, like the whole thing with them going to seek the Fountain of Youth, does it... I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe you like it, but I, I found it really annoying that um, there was just no real thematic reason for them to go and find the Fountain of Youth. You've, You've got... You're sending Jack Sparrow on this mission to find the Fountain of Youth. His dad's in the film at the start. It just it's so weird that they didn't write some sort of like, oh my dad's like got a brain tumour or something into the film. <laughs> I've gotta go find this thing so for my own like emotional reasons and instead he's purely in it for the for the hell of it. And I mean maybe that's I don't know, maybe that's good, maybe that's it's more in keeping, in keeping with Jack with Sparrow, well, it doesn't explain
3: but... the other characters. Like yeah, like Blackbeard is an old guy who mm. wants to go and like have more life. But then Angelica, she's trying to save her dad's soul. But then she's also saying, "I need the years." Like, what are you about thirty three or something? Like, what's what what doesn't? Oh, I've got one more point about the last film. The other thing that, again, it's just that it it was shallow. There was no depth or anything. Blackbird has this magic in which he can control his ship just by little little flicks of his fingers and things, and it gives him this great power. But then it doesn't. They don't do anything with it. Mm. It just means he's in charge, and then it, there's there's not really any magic in this film in that sense. It's, it doesn't embrace it in the way that the others do.
2: Yeah, well, I I think these films are very flippant when it comes to the uh, the supernatural and the fantasy elements. Where uh, again, to compare this to Indiana Jones, those films do have supernatural fantasy elements, but they are handled with gravitas because we are yeah. still to believe that this is the real world. But there is this supernatural element. Whereas this these films feel like pure fantasy after the first film.
1: It's like comparing the episode of The Simpsons, Bart <laughs> Bart's elephant. Bart gets an elephant. It's like when you compare that to modern episodes, right? Cause the the whole thing in Bart gets an elephant is is I can't believe he's got an elephant. This is this is crazy. Whereas nowadays, like, Bart would get an elephant and it would just be like, if I watched one the other day, a newish one, and Lisa had like an elephant and a raccoon and a an alligator <laughs> and she just put them up in the attic and it was mm. just like, all right, yeah. no one cares.
4: And that's, it's exactly like that. that. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm ready to move on to the pictures.
1: All right. Well, do you guys remember? Like, I used to go on about what this what the fifth Pirates film should be. I think it must have been after we saw the fourth film. In fact, you and I, Calvin, went to see the fourth one at the cinema, if I remember. Yes, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't think Alan was involved. Well, I've never seen it until this morning, so... Okay, yeah, no, it's just us (laughs) then. Yeah, so I I remember talking about this with, I I think, you as well, Alan, years ago and and what they needed to do... Um, and it's kind of what I've been saying this whole episode is that the the film needs a fresh backdrop, a fresh flavour, mm. something to differentiate it from just another load of films on boats and, you know, mm-hmm. the Caribbean with, with pirates. I mean, obviously that's in the name, but there's this whole world of of, you know, fantasy stuff to explore. It's this huge thing full of great things you could play with. Um, so for the longest time I kept saying they needed to make it a Western, um, and what I kept pitching was that they set it in colonial Australia, because that would roughly sync up with the sort of time period, have Jack Sparrow sent to, you know, sent on a convict ship or something to Australia when it was being colonised, and, uh then you, you know, delve into some MacGuffin mission with, you know, native Australian lore, of which there's plenty of of, you know, interesting stuff to dig into. Mm. Um but the problem is then the Lone Ranger came out and uh I haven't seen it, but that appears to be Gore Vabinsky doing <clears throat> Pirates of the Caribbean as a Western, is that <laughs> Is that I accurate?
2: S- I haven't seen
1: it. I haven't seen it either, no. Yeah, so I, I thought, mm. sadly, that seems like they kind of tried my idea and it didn't work very well because um, they didn't have me there to tell them how to do it properly. So um, so that would have been my pitch, but The Lone Ranger meant I had to just come up with something else. So I, I, basically I needed to find a different quote-unquote in space for, for the <laughs> franchise um and obviously you can't really do pirates of the caribbean in space not quite yet we're not there um yeah. but but they've kind of touched on everything like for 5 minutes <laughs> like they've just blown through all these things that could have been entire films in just like a little tangent and so um so what i eventually thought of was um in order to kind of have a, a new direction a new flavour you have them going on a, a mission to find the lost city of Atlantis. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, That's better. very in keeping
3: with the franchise, yeah.
1: Yeah, and the important thing is they find it really early on in the film, so mm. the majority of the film is set in this weird alien place with this new aesthetic. Um, mm. I'd, I'd want it to exist under the sea, Um Take inspiration from all that creepy shit you get deep down, like those those fish with lights on their face and stuff like that. Um, so that you know, if you kind of look to those creepy, awful things that live really deep in the bottom of the ocean as your production design, you know, influence, then that that's gonna give the film a, a unique flavor right there. Mm. Um, if you kind of looked at it a bit like when Jack Sparrow went to the afterlife, but like more tangible, darker, bring in someone like Guillermo del Toro or Tim Burton to direct it, assuming that, you know, I'm not going to be offered the the gig. Uh, (laughs) Someone who who gets, you know, dark um, at that kind of commercial level. Um, Get someone like H.R. Giger in to do the art. Design <laughs> obviously someone who's still alive, but you know, um, dead men design some... no creatures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. And yeah, just make sure there's no Orlando Bloom, Kira Knightley shit going on in this one. No mm. young lovers. We don't need. Um. You can have Captain Jack. You can have Jeffrey Rush if you want. Maybe some new characters, but but only uh, only interesting new ones. So I was thinking you could get John C. Riley in as a uh, a kind of <laughs> as some sort of si- yeah, some sort of scientist, maybe like a an old age explorer, eccentric. No, you want, um, you want John C. Riley as Poseidon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you know who I you know who I've got as the Prime Minister of Atlantis is uh, Helena Bonham Carter. Up! <laughs> uh- Oh yeah! Actually, yes,
2: that, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I've written, I can
2: totally go with that.
1: And I've written Steve Buscemi as the fence because I like I like casting people as uh, <laughs> a fence. A fence.
3: <laughs> yeah. As in, as in a guy who sells stolen goods or like a wooden. Pool? Yeah,
1: yeah. They go to him at the start, <laughs> and he's like, he's got a map or something, and. It's a bit on the down-low. He's in a pub with uh, Scrum or something. <laughs> so, I mean, that's it, really. Um,
4: That'd really it's a work. Pretty,
1: it's a pretty straight, down-the-line um Yeah, the pitch. Atlantis
3: thing is great. Yeah, it's completely in keeping with what they do, isn't it? That kind of... Yeah, but but I
1: think it's the, the... I think it's basic... Because I think there's... I do think as a franchise, there's a lot to work with. And they've just... They've made kind of baffling decisions in a lot of ways... Um, they've made a lot of missteps. <laughs> but I do think there's a lot there to play with. Like I say, it's this whole fantasy world built around this kind of old mythology. And uh, Shall I do mine next? Because it kind of ties
3: in, in a certain way. Yeah. Uh, because my pitch is, well, to put it in a logline, would be uh, Jack Sparrow in the Wild West. Oh! <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> um, because, yeah, when you were saying that, I was... I thought the exact same thing. It just needs something refreshing, a new setting. I don't recall ever having a conversation with you about it. Maybe I've subliminally stolen. Maybe it
1: wasn't you. Maybe it was, (coughs) I I definitely had a lot of conversations about it, like circa 2011. I definitely spoke about it with Calvin, I think, but
3: I I I don't directly remember it, but it makes perfect sense because it's the same kind of pirate outlaw kind of mentality where you can just be a drifting alone and, and, and getting up to trouble. Um, but yeah my so my idea was you you create you give jack sparrow some sense of immortality or uh, you know something that means he's you know in a different time period because yeah. wild west was much later but then you could easily use that as a setup to put him in other time periods as well in other sequels and just sort of play with that mm-hmm. idea as much as you want um so yeah i got him well uh, i think
1: i think that was like why I said colonial Australia, that was me kind of bending the back yeah. quits to get him. Yeah, to but visit.
3: it's a nice idea though. Yeah, like that would yeah. make sense. So I think I'm doing a similar kind of thing, but I kind of had him in Mexico, like or maybe the oh, Southern yeah. States, that sort of idea, and and put put some backstory in that you know he's cursed on the sea or the Krakens trying to get whatever
1: that he's or decided he needs go to, to get away from the sea. Do you think they go there in the new one with Javier Bardem? It's pretty close to the Caribbean. So
3: yeah, so he, for some reason he's cursed on the sea, so he's he go, goes to the desert, he goes to get as far away as possible. Um, and so he's just drifting around Mexico and just, you know, doing what he does and getting into adventures and scrapes and things. So then somewhere along the lines, he, he gets his hands on a, a treasure map for, like, yeah, some Aztec gold or, you know, something like that something that he's chasing. uh but he gets to this place where he's supposed to be. This is like he he gets embroiled in in this thing. um and I'm I basically all I was doing was like those classic um like Clint Eastwood westerns like Fistful of Dollars and all that where it's just like this one man turns up to a town and uh <laughs> and the uh, the bad guys are like trying to take over the town or whatever, and he fights them.
1: I thought you were gonna say there's like there's a sheriff position going, and they're like, <laughs> oh, you be the new sheriff, and he's like, oh yeah, this is a. I did, yeah, I, I did definitely job. think like, about where like they go. Oh, this, all the this food's is jack- given for free and blah blah blah. <laughs> this is easy. Why is, why is no one else doing this job? And then <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then uh, and then the big like beefy Bluto walks in <laughs> behind him, and, and <laughs> he's like. <laughs> You, the new sheriff, and, and then he, he like pulls at his collar and gulps. And...
3: Well, yeah, but that that would totally work within the story I'm creating. <laughs> yes, that would work. And then they can say to him like, "Oh, this is Jack Sparrow, the like, sheriff, Jack Sparrow." Actually,
1: yeah, we're not gonna stick up. We're not gonna put up with your stuff anymore, Bluto. We've got a sheriff who who's big and tough. And, and then they
3: turn around and he's and he's running away into the distance. <laughs> 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 uh, well yeah basically yeah. something like that but he has to stick around because the treasure whatever he's searching is here somewhere and and, and then um i thought the, the the sort of main bad guy who can be like leading a gang of mexicans to kind of whatever they're doing that could be antonio banderas oh,
1: can yes. he uh, can he be doing it as a um as a mexican wrestler <laughs> With a mask. Uh, no. ask Jack Black. <laughs> can he can he can he just be like normal but his henchmen are all like Mexican wrestlers? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well I've got I've
1: got an idea for the henchmen actually to make it kind of
3: gimmicky. Uh oh yeah, so at first it seems like Antonio Manderas is just a general bad guy who's terrorizing the locals. But then later on, it sort of turns out he's after the treasure too. Like he knows something as well. And he's got these kind of special powers because the films, previous films, they they do like to play with the mythology, you know, like the Davy Jones idea and, and then the Calypso, God of the seas and all this sort of stuff. Mm. So we can use that idea, but because we're in Mexico, we have to use their kind of mythology, which is Catholicism. So yeah. What we what we gonna <laughs> what I'm gonna have? Well, is me- that I'm
1: Mexico's gonna... got some, uh yeah. Like Mexican Catholicism is fascinating as well. It's like really, it's it's really like one thing that's gone through a filter and been lost in <laughs> translation, and then it's put through about five other translations, and the end result is you can go down to Tijuana and see like. Virgin Mary statues kept in cages to uh, hmm. prevent the locals from stealing them, and just things <laughs> like that. It's it's just very odd stuff, and all the the hundreds of saints that you pray to. If you're a drug dealer, you've got a specific huh. saint. Well, for, that's for...
3: Uh, that's exactly what I'm uh, using. Yeah. There, there's ah. just the saints for everything. So what I want Antonio is kind of mystical power to be. Is that he can kind of harness the power of saints? Um, so what he'll have I haven't really worked out the details, but what he'll have is that like he'll have this whole like army of priests, and each one of them is kind of mystically it. bound to a saint. And so for example, you, you have a you have a scene where like Jack's trying to escape through like a cactus patch, right? Uh, field of cactuses and um and so then he calls on the guy who's the patron saint of cactuses and he, <laughs> he goes to him right get you go going now and that particular guy like does some sort of incantation or whatever gets possessed by the saint and then he can control the cactus and they they kind of move and grab jack and stuff like that oh so, yeah like, thi-
1: that worked really well That's but then you really can just use with but Pirates anything he needs, he
3: goes. Oh yeah, this guy's the patron saint of you know dogs, yeah. so the dogs attacking like whatever it is, <laughs> right? You can just because the saints, there's a saint for everything.
1: You gotta um, you gotta have a saint of sand who who like yeah. makes all the sand come to life and engulf him ah. the end or something. You've gotta have. <laughs>
3: um. So. Uh, oh yeah, the other the other thing is that Johnny Depp has like a special horse. Like, it's his horse, and he's like, really <laughs> makes sure it's always looked after. Like. And then later on, uh, the near the end, the horse turns into Gibbs, like his psychic <laughs> guy. And it, like, turns out he just had some sort of horse curse on him. Uh, but it then, like, so Johnny, De- to, brilliant. Yeah, and then Johnny Depp's just kind of pissed off because now he hasn't got a horse. <laughs> Gibbs is back. And it's like, so, yeah, that's just a sort of side thing. Um, and then, uh, now... What I want as well, a little, little subplot that you need to have. You could have that there's, you know, some young senorita in the village who uh, her her brother is one of these priests that Antonio Banderas is, is you know, one of his hoods. And mm. she's saying, look, look, he's, he's a good guy. He would never do bad. So he must be being controlled somehow. And so that's kind of gives you a bit of an emotional story to, to tie in that they're trying to save him. Mm. Uh, like Jack. Jack's not he's just going along with it whatever to to say get the treasure whatever but she just to give it that kind of you know and instead of just doing a love story i thought i'll make them brother sister be a bit bit more different but then you could have that as well like at at some crucial point the brother he's called upon to do something but Mm. because it's his sister like it's his love for her is like strong enough to break the spell or or something like that you know um you know, just play out like that, uh, and then uh, basically the big c- climax is that um, Jack has to harness some kind of spiritual thing as well in order to beat Antonio Banderas, uh, which I thought he could summon the four horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> wow! Because he's because he's and they could annoyed that he hasn't be got a horse rendered in whatever.
3: <laughs> and then, yeah, was, was that not what reason, you were it. thinking
1: of? I thought you were doing that on purpose. No, no. That, that is exactly no, no, like no, the no. sort of thing his character would do. He'd be like moping around because he's not got a horse anymore, and then he finds this like thing that says <laughs> thing he can someone a horse. Yeah, bring a horse <laughs> about, and it <laughs> I think that worked well. Uh, yeah, maybe.
3: Yeah, so that's kind of the conclusion of it. And then, you know, that's the big action thing at the end. And and then all the priests are freed from their kind of demonic possession or whatever he was, you know, power he had over them. The brother and sister are reunited. Jack gets some treasure, blah, blah, blah. And then the very sort of final shot is like he's going off into the sunset, but he's on Gibbs's back because he hasn't got a horse. So it's just rather than him on the horseback riding off, it's... You know, him on the the guy. And they could have a little bit of banter.
2: And that's mm. it. Yeah, we yeah, could, though. Very good. Yeah, you two <laughs> have both come up with sort of very solid, like, could-actually-be-done yeah be done ideas. Right. Calvin, what have you got for us? Right. I took my inspiration from a very different place. <laughs> um So... Pirates of the Caribbean is obviously based on the Disneyland ride. Uh-huh. So this got me thinking about theme parks and um apparently Pepsi in my Max. Wikipedia research
1: the ride the movie <laughs> in my
2: online in my online research um I came across uh, what is supposed to be the first like true theme park like obviously there have been like fairgrounds and uh you know uh, Areas where there were rides and amusement zones and that sort of thing, but yeah. apparently the first ever theme park was a place called Santa Claus Land. <laughs> um,
1: oh, I guess this that makes a lot di- of sense. Yeah, because because theme park used to mean there was like a theme to it, didn't it? Like yes, originally, and it doesn't exactly. like nowadays. That's yeah, not yeah. really the the thing, but it used to be like. Ooh, it's Spooky World. It's Alice in Wonderland yes. land. It's,
2: yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, this place was built, and I, I love the backstory behind it because there was a man, um, and he was called Louis J. Koch, I think is how you pronounce it. K O C H. And call- uh, Is that Coke? Coke.
1: Koch. <laughs> Koch. I think that's Coke. Koch. Koch. If, uh. you, if
3: you pronounce it as Koch, we'll probably be able make more jokes out of it. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Anyway, Mr. Cock visited the town of uh, there' See, is, there's a, there is there's a there's a town in Indiana called Santa Claus. And um he had nine he had he had he had nine children and um it 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 really bothered him that they traveled to the town <laughs> theme and part- that Santa Claus wasn't there.
1: Was his theme park like <laughs> he just dressed all his kids up as elves and like forced them to to, to build well, toys?
2: Until the last, like, the, bearing in mind this theme park opened in 1946, it was run by members of that family until, like, the last five years, wow. <laughs> so it was really a family-run business, um, anyway, so yeah, this guy, like, thought it was really sad that there was no Santa Claus in Santa Claus, um, and after production was, uh, construction, rather, was delayed by World War Two for a few years, um... It eventually opened in August 1946, and it was just a a themed Santa Claus area, so it was always Christmas. It was always Christmas in in, uh, Santa Claus land. Uh, Fast forward to the 80s, so 40 years later, the family realized that maybe they're limiting their... uh, in you know uh, intake for the summer months <laughs> by only having it be christmas themed so they decided to open other themed areas um based on other holidays so there's um, there's a halloween bit there is a 4th of july bit and there is a is
1: is your pitch going to be about an employee who works in the halloween area who one day stumbles upon the christmas area <laughs> and he, was, he can't believe all the, like, magic and wonder that he sees, so he tries to take a bit of it back to uh Halloween You, area. you know, that
2: that is probably where it would naturally go. Um, the other two areas, but... Well, no, the other area, by the way, is, um, uh, like, a water park thing. So now... <laughs> the, 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 the... I
1: thought you were going to say, like, so... Valentine's Day land or
2: something. <laughs> 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 nah, they, uh... They they got sick of this uh this holiday themed thing anyway it it is called Holiday World and Splash and Safari that is the name of the title <laughs> the the, slo- the slogan is number one for family fun
1: is there a safari <laughs> area like with animals or uh,
2: no no that's the water park area
1: bit. it's just called um, Splash and Safari yeah
2: so um the park has these several worlds based on these holidays, and each one has a mascot. So, we obviously have Santa Claus for the Christmas part. We have Safari Sam, who is a green crocodile and mascot of the water part. Wait, is,
1: is this... George the... Is this real? Still? Yeah, yeah, this
2: is real! Okay. Yeah, this is all real. And, um, we have George the Eagle, who's the mascot for... It's the fourth... It's gotta be the Fourth of July,
3: he's a huge American eagle. He comes down and picks off Mexicans.
2: <laughs> and we have um Kitty Claws, who's a black cat and she's Kitty Claws. And she <laughs> is the uh mascot for the Halloween section and the overall oh. park seems to have a mascot um as a of a dog who's called Holler Dog. <laughs> <laughs> now <laughs> So, my pitch is to do a film based on those characters from that (laughs) theme park. We're going to go back to the original theme park and do a film based on that. So, because the park started with Santa Claus, he's going to be our main character. And in a casting and performance direction inspired by Johnny Depp, I want Santa Claus to be played by Kevin Bacon, channeling (laughs) a David Bowie persona. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that
4: would be good.
2: That's uh, um I haven't thought of well I uh, I have got a co- I've got casting um, ideas for Kitty claws who is the Halloween cat. I want her to be played by Lady Gaga. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and I want George white, the-
3: Hollywood Hollywood whitewashing again.
1: The black cat played <laughs> by a white woman. So is she oh is she like motion capturing as a realistic looking cat or is it kind of like cat woman and it's just a a I I was gonna go down the Catwoman route for okay. this. Um, simil-
2: Similarly, George the Eagle. I would quite like Kelsey Grammer to play him. And uh, who was for, the other one for Ho-
1: Mister Armadillo? Uh, there's Holly
2: Dog. No, there's Holly Dog and Safari Sam. Doesn't
1: Safari Sam sound who, who's like the crocodile, right? like what one- you know in the '90s when like every company was coming up with shit video game mascots because they. They wanted yes. to come up with the next Mario or Sonic. And that they, they were all these like yes. all these characters with attitude and sunglasses. <laughs> Safari Sam sounds like one of those that just got left on the, the roadside, like with Alex King. does, and, doesn't he? And and Gex yeah. and <laughs> all super bubsy.
2: Anyway. Um <laughs> I don't have casting ideas for Hola Dog and Safari Sam, but I want to change Safari Sam to Sa- Safari Samantha, and oh, we can cast really young, upcoming actors. Suggestion. And uh, oh yeah, you know, uh, they M- can Melissa have a McCarthy
1: is Safari <laughs> Samantha. I had a good idea for Safari Sam though. Oh, um, Paul Hogan. Can I ask, what is Safari Sam? Is he like a? He's a crocodile. Oh, he's a crocodile. Green crocodile. Okay, okay, cool. That's why I have Paul over. I forgot if he was. Swiss I forgot if he was an animal Ironic. or if he was like a prospector or what. Like.
2: <laughs> no, he's he's a green crocodile with a sort of like like a crocodile Dundee hat and sort of a, a very colourful top. A crocodile
3: has to be like an old guy. Like it's got an old feel to it.
2: No, I want to cast young people, young woman. I'm gonna. Mm.
4: Yeah.
3: So, so uh,
2: wait, who are you casting dog? as a crocodile?
3: What about the hollow dog?
2: No, I'm not. Uh, hollow dog and Safari Sam. We're going to cast young, upcoming actors and change the gender of one of them can so we that get... they can have a young romance subplot, like they do in all these pirates films. Can
1: we get Jack Nicholson out of retirement to be the crocodile? <laughs> I think he.
2: It's not really. It's not really going with my plan of changing it to Safari Samantha and casting <laughs> a young lady in it. but... Uh, oh, so okay. I'm, I'm trying to think
1: of who looks like a crocodile. Um, all right, what woman looks like a crocodile? Uh, uh...
2: I mean, if we could get Jack Nicholson, I'd happily rewrite the film around that, um, and maybe Holodog can be a woman instead, and we can like get.
1: Meryl Streep or something. Who who are you thinking is Safari Samantha?
2: I'm not. I'm just going to cast young, upcoming actors that aren't big names because we've got Lady Gaga, Kevin Bacon, and Kelsey Grammer. So that's yeah, so the acting
1: quality sorted. is ticked off. I don't think I don't <laughs> so think Kelsey needs... Grammer should be in this.
2: <laughs> oh no!
1: I think I think you... he'd be great as a patriotic eagle. No, fourth of July. I think you should get. Um, is he called Sam Elliott?
4: <laughs>
1: oh yes, yes, he'd be better. And then, and then Kelsey Grammer can be uh, Crocodile Sam or whatever he's called <laughs> instead. <laughs> Safari Sam. <laughs>
2: Safari Sam. Hmm. Okay. Anyway. Those are our characters. That's our casting. So, um, for for the plot, we're going to set the film in the nineteen fifties, and uh, because the Russians won the Cold War, <laughs> everywhere is everywhere is communist. Now.
4: Wait, wait
3: a minute!
1: Did you just <laughs> drop
3: that in out of nowhere? That wasn't <laughs> what was that?
1: Has he ever played a Russian, Kelsey Grammer? Oh. It seems like it must have happened. He played King
2: Herod, but he wasn't Russian. Well,
3: Calvin, did you just drop that communist thing in from nowhere? Did I miss something earlier where you set that up?
2: (laughs) No, well, no, we've only been talking about the characters so far, so this is the plot. (laughs) I want to set it in the fifties because that's when the Park will have been big, and uh, you know, well, so so the Park. Who's the
1: enemy of is the is the Park established, and then communists take over? Is or is...
2: No, I I mean, I'm sort of thinking that the park doesn't really exist. It's just we're taking inspiration from the mascots, and... You know, oh, it's like so... Barracks of the Caribbean isn't actually set at the park. It's just taking inspiration from Oh, I assume the characters the all right, lived okay.
1: and, like, worked at the park. So what, these characters are just knocking S- no. around in... They're no,
3: in, they're in some kind of flat share.
1: Do they know, do yeah. they know <laughs> each other, or does Safari they're, Sam... Do they work like... as mascots for, like, maybe football well, teams, or something? <laughs> like...
2: If you let me get it with my pitch, okay. it all will become clear. <laughs> okay. So... Is there
1: going to be a romance Uh, between Hollow Dog and Kitty (laughs) Claus? No, Safari Sam! We're
2: changing it to Safari Samantha, (laughs) and there's going to be a romance between those two, for God's sake! (laughs) Is
1: is the dog actually Hollow, though, (laughs) or is it just a name? Or is it like a hologram uh, like holographic dog? Yeah,
3: oh that would be quite a cool idea. A hologrammatic dog. <laughs> yeah.
2: So everywhere is uh, communist now. <laughs> and um Santa's, Santa's at his workshop and um, oh, he's like Santa
4: Claus was in it.
2: Santa Claus is played by Kevin Bacon, channeling David Bowie. So he's he's in his workshop and he's like, "Oh, we've only got a hundred
1: days to go." Is he in the? And um... he's looking at his naughty. Is he in the North
2: Pole? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, he's at his workshop and he's looking at his naughty and nice list. And there's there's only one name on it, and it's in the nice part, and it's Joseph Stalin. And um... It's Santa what? Claus, <laughs> Joseph Stalin. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. right. Okay. Um, Wait, is he, which, is, he, is he on the nice he... list?
2: <laughs> yes, yes, he's the only name on the nice okay. list. And
3: in this story world, is he, like, just a young boy from Arkansas, or is he, you know, Joseph Stalin?
2: <laughs> no, 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 he's, he's overlord of the world. Okay, good.
1: He's... <laughs> has he actually been nice, so... or has he pulled some strings to get his name on there?
2: Ah, well, it's, uh, so... Santa goes to his elves and um, asks them what's going on and they inform him that because of the new communist world order no one celebrates themed holidays anymore apart from Joseph Stalin because we're gonna take inspiration from Animal Farm here (laughs) and uh, you know it's it's, you know um, we're all equal but some are more equal than others so um, it's up to Santa, Alan you'll love this Santa has to form a team (laughs) of holiday mascots (laughs) Um, so the first third of the film is going to be him recruiting the other characters. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> so he
1: goes, we go, we've got to go get those well-known holiday mascots, and then he knocks on the door of Kitty Claws.
3: <laughs> yeah, can we can we see him like trying to recruit the the top tier mascots, and they just tell him to piss off, like the Easter Bunny yeah. and He's just like, "Mate, I'm busy, mate. Come on, <laughs> like I'm the Easter Bunny." <laughs> yeah, God, like he, tr- he
1: tries to he tries to recruit the. Um, uh, Cupid, but Cupid's like hardcore like communist and <laughs> he's gonna like sell him out so he, he has to move on to the next one and
4: Yeah. <laughs> Which is keeps, going about, Sam. keeps going
3: about how love is the great equalizer it brings people together, no matter who you yeah. are. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so uh, he assembles his team and the second third of the film is the group travelling across Russia to find Joseph Stalin and uh, and take him out. And, uh, yeah, you know, we'll have some conflict along the way and uh, romance between Safari, Samantha, and Holodog. <laughs> and, uh, and then in the final third, I think we'll have a big battle and uh, the good guys triumph and uh, holidays are restored to the world because the communists have lost.
3: Thing is, The thing is, Calvi, I think with a little tweak, this this could be better because, you know, Joseph Starley, and he's great, but who's a more colourful character? Fidel Trotsky. Castro. Oh, oh, <laughs> yes. Plus, the Americans really hated Fidel Castro because he was right on their doorstep and they couldn't do anything about it. It really pissed them off.
2: Yeah, that, that plus that would take Santa out of his um, usual environment, wouldn't it? Because he's going from North Pole, cold, Russia's cold. Get him to Cuba. Oh, yeah, you get... He
1: gets to Cuba and he like has to take his jacket off. Yeah, like, oh,
2: yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have fish out of water comedy there. Uh,
1: <laughs> can we um can we bring the Kim Yong family into this? <laughs> it's always it's always good to drum up a bit of publicity when you start prodding them. <laughs> uh not to mind. Yeah, that like that... Father Christmas has got frozen ice powers.
2: Oh, oh I thought you meant oh, um, I trying to stay away. Yeah, in your from that?
1: in your imagination,
3: Calvin. Then. I
2: tried to stay away from that. Really, I didn't want it to be too much like Rise of the Guardians, which was a film where Santa Claus teamed up with the Easter Bunny and. Uh... So
3: so, what do they do then? They just go and kick Stalin's face in.
4: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um...
0: Yarg, we hope you enjoyed this voyage with diminishing returns. Be sure to sail with us again
2: next week
0: and head over to our Facebook and Twitter pages and subscribe on iTunes for more podcasting gold. Yarg.